You may be seated. Our current sermon series is called The Heart of the Matter. And it's a perfectly timed sermon series because it's the month of February, the month where we think about the heart a little bit more, we think about love. A couple of days ago it was Valentine's Day, or if you're single, maybe it just highlights the fact that you're single and it's more like Singles Awareness Day for you. But if you happen to be single uh, and you would rather be in a relationship, I have done some research and looked up some uh, Christian pickup lines for you. So you might want to get out a pen if you're single or your phone so you can jot these down. Okay, here are some Christian pickup lines. What's your name and number so I can add you to my prayer list? Is it a sin that you stole my heart? Is your name Faith? Because you're the substance of things I've hoped for. So last night I was reading the book of Numbers and I realized, I don't have yours. And the last one. How would you like to join my purpose-driven life? So, there you go. Now you've got some pickup lines for you. But if you happen to be in a relationship, and you're not married yet, and you don't want to be in that relationship anymore, I've discovered some Christian breakup lines for you. So, you may want to jot these down. These could come in handy for you. Uh, They're going to be provided to you by a Christian comedian called John Christ. Check it out. Hey, you know Kirk Cameron? Because you're about to be left behind. All things work together for good, but we ain't together and this ain't good. If I'm the Bible, you're the book of Thomas. Not included. Wait, hold on. Thomas? Is that one of the books? No, it's not one of the books. That's the joke. Why are we breaking up? Call me Matt Redman because I got 10,000 reasons. Honestly, great song though. My body is a temple and you ain't a member. Hey, um, are you an alcoholic beverage? Because I can't be seen with you. For I know the plans, and you ain't a part of them. I think it's in the Message Bible. Here's the church, here's the steeple, open the doors, and we ain't together anymore, I'm going to a different church, bye. Don't use that one. Hey, uh, are you about to be wrongly accused? Because this is about to be our last supper. Hey, um, are you a river in Egypt? Because you in denial about this relationship. I just feel like Paul, you know, there's a constant thorn in my side, and I'm pretty sure it's you. Boom, roasted. I was reading through the Booker numbers, and I realized I hadn't blocked yours yet. Wow, really? I have decided to unfollow you on Instagram. Hey, you want to go on a date this weekend? I was thinking about getting a campfire going. Kumbaya, this ain't going to work anymore. If you're happy and you know it, clap your hands. You see me clapping my hands? No, because I'm not happy. Hey, real quick, are you mercy me? Because I can only imagine being satisfied in this relationship. Hey, did it hurt when you fell from heaven? Because you for sure got kicked out. Oh, snap. Can we FaceTime? Uh, call me Peter, because you're about to be denied three times. Um, are you a short-term mission trip? Because you're doing more harm than good. Take that one out. That one's probably too far. Scratch this one. I once was blind, but I'm about to see myself out of this relationship. Goodbye. Hey, real quick, um, are you the book of Revelation? Because this story's about to be over. <laughs> so there you go. You've got some Christian pickup lines or breakup lines. Of course, we're just joking about all this stuff. But the heart itself is a really, really powerful thing in our lives. You know, our hearts can lead us to, to do things. Our emotions can lead us to say things, to think things, to do things, to make certain decisions. I know in my life, I've had my heart lead me to some pretty good things. It's led me to different friendships, different relationships. It's led me to different jobs. I believe it's helped lead me here and keep me here. And that's been a good thing for me and my life. But you know what? 
my heart has also led me in some bad directions. You know, there's been times in my life where I thought something was really good for me. It felt really good in the moment. I felt like I was making a good decision because my feelings told me it was good, only to find out later that that was a really big mistake. And that was something I shouldn't have said. That was something I shouldn't have done. That was a decision that I should have never made in the first place. Sometimes our heart leads us towards good things, and sometimes it can lead us towards bad things. It says in the Bible that the heart is deceitful above all things. The heart itself is very powerful, but sometimes it is deceitful, and it can deceive us and lead us in a direction that seems right in the moment, but later on we realize it's not so great. And you know this to be true because you've seen this happen in your life. You've had times in your life where your heart has led you in a really good direction. It's helped you make some decisions about where you want to live or what job you want to have or which friendships to make or which relationship to be in. And you would say that your heart has helped play a role in that. And you've also had some things happen in your life where your heart has led you in the wrong direction. Maybe now you can look back and realize, oh, at that moment, I really thought I was making the right decision. I really thought I was going the way I was supposed to go because it felt really good. It felt right. It felt like this was what I was supposed to do. And then now you look back and go, no, that was, man, I was off. My emotions clouded my judgment. I wasn't able to think rationally. I was deceived by my own heart. And the heart is super powerful, but sometimes its accuracy is not so great. It has the power to control our thoughts and our words and our actions, but sometimes it leads us in the wrong direction. And so we have a problem. We have this really powerful thing that's a part of us, but it doesn't have great accuracy. And I don't have the perfect solution for you for that, but I know this. If you can get your heart to be lined up with God's heart, you're going to go in the right direction. If you can get your heart to be lined up with God's heart, you're going to go in the right direction. Because I know that God's heart is not deceitful. God's heart doesn't have different motives. God's heart doesn't lead us in a wrong direction or lead Him in the wrong direction. So I know that if I can get my heart lined up with His heart, then my thoughts are going to be right, my words are going to be right, and my actions are going to be right. And in this series called The Heart of the Matter, we've been looking at how God wants to get to the heart of the matter in your life, the things that really, really matter. He wants to change your heart. He's not interested in just changing the words that you use or changing the behaviors that you do. He's interested in changing your heart because he knows if he can change your heart, it'll change all that other stuff too. And you'll be living life the way he designed life to be lived if he can get your heart to be lined up with his. And so we've been looking at a number of different ways that God does that. God will change your heart and change the way your heart views different topics, like giving. We talked about that last week and talked about how the kindness that we show other people, God is trying to change your heart in that. And today we're going to talk about prayer. God knows that if he can get you to pray more, it's going to line your heart up with his. And prayer is a really complicated topic. It's very confusing. We all come at it from different ways. Some of us would say we are experts when it comes to prayer. We're like prayer warriors. We pray all the time. And we just think we've got that all like figured out in our lives. And then some of us are on the other end of the spectrum where we know nothing about prayer. And we don't even know what to say if we had to pray. We think it's totally confusing and awkward and weird. And we have no experience with it. 
And then we've all been taught different things about prayer. Some we've been taught really little about the topic of prayer, and some of us have been taught a lot about it. But depending on what you were taught, you were probably taught different things than people who are around you right now. It depends what church you grew up in. It depends what school you went to. If you went to a Christian school, maybe they taught you certain things. If you went to a Catholic school, they may have taught you different things. Maybe you think when you pray, you're talking to a saint or a different saint. Or maybe you think you're talking to the Virgin Mary. Or maybe you think you're talking to Jesus. Or maybe you think you're talking to the Father. Maybe you have no idea if anybody's listening. You're just hoping that somebody up there is listening to you when you pray. It's a very confusing topic that we all come to from different areas. You know this to be true. You've probably been out with friends or, or with people and it came time to eat and you're unsure of if other people are going to pray or not. And there's a moment of hesitation, like, is somebody going to pray? Can we just start eating? You know, what, what are we supposed to do with this? And it depends on the crowd of people that you're in. And the whole thing is confusing and a mess. And so, of course, I looked up and did some research online to figure out if there are like official rules when it comes to praying before a meal that we're supposed to follow. And naturally, I was led back to the same Christian comedian, John Christ, and he's going to provide us with the official pre-meal prayer rules. Check it out. Chips and salsa. Sometimes they bring it to the table before you're even seated. There's no need to pray for that. Lots of people wonder about appetizers. Do you pray for them? Do you not pray for them? No prayer is necessary for an appetizer if you have entrees coming out later. Salad. That is the most confusing thing on the prayer continuum. If it's a side salad or an appetizer salad, no need for prayer there. Now, if it's a main course salad or you're bringing it out with the rest of everyone else's meal, that then is going to require some kind of prayer. But I put that kind of in a separate category. For the most part, when you're thinking about salads, just remember this. If it requires dressing, it doesn't require a blessing. Do I pray for coffee? No. Are you a psychopath? No one wants to be next to the person at Starbucks that's praying over a latte, you weirdo. Soup. Do you pray for soup? Do not pray for soup. It's only bowl-related soups. Anything smaller than that is always off the hook. I like to say if it comes in a cup, no need to lift up. Everyone knows if you order a hamburger, that's going to require prayer. But if you order sliders, that does not require prayer. It's a little glitch in the system a lot of people are not aware of. Potato skins, no prayer. Baked potato, prayer. Ask any Bible-believing Christian. They're going to have a different policy on fries. Some say never eat the fries. Some say eat as many as you want. Here's the policy on fries. Up to three fries is acceptable to eat prior to the prayer. That brings us to dessert. Always a very confusing situation. A lot of times people go out to a show, go to a movie. Hey, should we grab some dessert afterward? Yeah, let me get the creme brulee. I love cheesecake. Ugh. You don't need to pray for that because you've already prayed for your meal earlier in the night. Do you hold hands before you pray? That depends on your situation. If it's a personal family gathering, some close-knit Bible study of some sort, sure, a hold hand wouldn't be uncomfortable. Now, if you're on a Tinder date, that might throw off the mood a little bit. Most of the confusion surrounding pre-meal prayer comes from when to actually pray. Let me just say, on behalf of waiters all over the world, please pray when your waiter is not there. There's nothing worse than a waiter coming out with two full arms of fajitas and you're over there mid-prayer at Jabez. Like, what are you doing? Last but certainly not least, who at the table volunteers to lead the prayer? Lots of people say, 
the man should lead the prayer. Why is that? I'm not sure. It's 2018. Maybe we should get that rule adjusted at some point in the near future. A lot of people operate under the most spiritual person at the table. They're going to be the one that should pray because that prayer is going to be the most powerful and effective. So if you got obviously a pastor, a missionary, even a Christian blogger of some sort, shoot even a volunteer youth pastor, that prayer is going to be a little less effective, but it's still <laughs> Now, naturally, we're just kidding about all that stuff. But prayer could be a really confusing topic. And maybe that has to do with we're not sure what the purpose of prayer is. We're not sure what it's there for. Are we supposed to just be asking for stuff that we want? Should we be asking for things that we need? Should we be just listening to God? Is there a certain way to like do it all? It's very confusing. And I don't know if there's just one purpose. There's probably many, many purposes of prayer. But I think one of the biggest is that God uses prayer to align your heart with his heart. Prayer will align your heart with God's heart. And I think that's one of the main purposes of prayer. Now, Jesus was a guy who knew a lot about prayer, naturally, right? He's a guy who we would say his heart was really lined up with God's heart. I mean, he's God's son. He is God. So his heart is completely lined up with God's heart. So if anybody was going to pray the right way, it would be Jesus. If anybody knew what they were doing, was a prayer expert or a prayer warrior, it would be this guy called Jesus. Because he's God's son, and his heart is completely lined up with the Father's heart. And while he was given a sermon one day, it was, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. It's found in Matthew chapter 6. And while he's giving this sermon, he's going through a bunch of different topics. And then he starts to teach on the topic of prayer. And in order to do that, he gives them a sample prayer. He's basically saying, hey, I know how to pray. My heart is synced up with God 100%. So listen to me pray, and then you'll understand what it's all about. You'll understand what the prayer of somebody who's synced up and lined up with God sounds like. We find that prayer in Matthew chapter 6, and it starts in verse 9. It's a very famous prayer. You've probably heard it or a form of it. Jesus said, This then is how you should pray. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So here we have this prayer of Jesus. Today we know it as the Lord's Prayer. Maybe you've had to memorize that at some point in your life or a version of that that might be a little bit different. Uh, but we have Jesus' prayer, and it's the prayer of somebody whose heart is lined up with God's heart. And there's a lot that we can learn from this and a lot that we can see about Jesus' heart and about God's heart in it that I want to show to you. If we look at the beginning of it in verse 9, Jesus says, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. And I think it's so great and interesting that he says, Our Father. You know, Jesus is God's Son, and he could have said, My Father. We would have expected him to say that. He could have said, Hey, Dad, how's it going? I need some help. He could have started it a number of different ways, but he says, Our 
Father. He includes you in the same standing as He is in regards to the Father. He says, God is not just my Father. He's our Father. You're just as much His child as I am. He's our Father. And I think that's comforting to know that each one of us have a direct line of communication with God. Right now, each one of us has a direct line of communication with the God of the universe, the most powerful person in the universe. You get to talk to directly. You don't have to go through somebody else. You don't have to wait in line. God doesn't have call waiting. You don't have to take a number like at the deli counter. You have direct access to him whenever you want. And I think that is fascinating and amazing. Jesus continues his prayer in verse 10. And he says, Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Jesus' heart is lined up completely with God, so much so that the very first thing that he asks for is that God's will would be done. He says, Our Father who art in heaven, and then now he's going to ask for something. And the first thing he asks is, God, would your will be done on earth just like it is in heaven? See, the prayer of somebody whose heart is completely lined up with God prays and ask God to do His will in their life, not their own. And how often do we go to prayer, and we go to talk to God, and we immediately just ask for what we need? God, I need this. Oh, help me with this. Oh, my, help my kid out with this. Help me with this pain in my knee and my hip and this and that. And it's all just stuff that we are concerned about and that we want done because we're trying to do what we want to do and we want to see happen in our lives. And sometimes we don't even consider What does God want to do in our lives? And realize that it's more important that his will gets done than it is that my will gets done. Jesus understood this and prayed for it. The very next verse, he says, give us today our daily bread. That's it. Simple sentence. Give us this day our daily bread. Jesus goes from talking about the biggest thing possible. God, would your will be done on this earth just like it is in heaven? the biggest thing you could possibly be asking for. Very next sentence. He's very specific. Give us today our daily bread. Give us food to eat today. He goes from talking about something really broad to something really narrow and specific. And I think from this we can learn that it's okay to pray for little things in life. It's okay to talk to God about the little things that you need help with. It's okay to pray for your finances. It's okay to pray for your job. It's okay to pray for your kids. It's okay to pray when you lose your keys and you're running late for work. You're like, God, please help me find my car keys. I don't know where they are. You would think I would assign a spot in my house for them, but I don't. It's okay to pray for the littlest things in our lives. Because if it concerns you, then God wants to help you with it. Because he's a good dad. And a good dad cares about the things that his kids are cared about. So Jesus prays, give us this day our daily bread. The next verse, Jesus says, and forgive us our debts as we have also forgiven our debtors. You may have grown up reading a different version of that, but the meaning is the same. God, please forgive me for my sins. Please forgive me for the things that I have done wrong, the mistakes that I have made, the things I've done deliberately against you when I knew they were wrong, but I did them anyways. God, forgive me for my sins in my life as I forgive those who have wronged me. See, 
the prayer of somebody who has their heart lined up with God's heart understands the weight of their own sin. When your heart's lined up with God's heart, you begin to understand the weight of your own sin and what that really means. And what it really means to have gone against God over and over and over again in our lives. And when you understand the weight of your own sin, the fact that somebody else wronged you doesn't matter as much. Because you realize that your sin is so great. How dare you for one moment try to judge other people for their sin? You've got plenty of your own. And a heart that's lined up with God's heart can understand this concept. And so Jesus is trying to model that in his prayer. He finishes up by saying this, And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. See, Jesus says, hey, now that I know my weight of my sin, and I would ask for forgiveness of that, and I'm going to forgive other people who have wronged me, God, now please keep me away from temptation. I don't want to sin. I don't want to be anywhere near it. So don't just keep sin away from me, but keep temptations away from me as well. The more your heart gets lined up with God's heart, the more you begin to know the areas that you're weak in and the temptations that will work against you and that you're most likely to give into. And instead of just praying and asking God for forgiveness for the times you mess up, you start to pray in advance and saying, God, keep me from even being tempted so that I don't have to then come back to you and ask for forgiveness for it again. A prayer that's lined up with God starts to pray in advance for things that they know they're weak against and they know they're tempted to do. Jesus models a prayer for us. And this isn't the only prayer we have to pray. It's not like we have to say these exact words. But he's trying to say, hey, my heart is synced up with God's heart. And if, let me show you how to pray. Let me pray and have you listen in and you begin to see what that looks like to be lined up with God's heart. And so in this prayer, Jesus teaches us that we should pray directly to the Father. We should pray for His will to be done in our lives and not our own will. We should pray for the little things in our lives. We should pray for forgiveness for our sins and help in forgiving those who have wronged us. And we should also pray for protection from the devil to keep us from even being tempted to sin. Now, Jesus can teach us a lot in this prayer. But I think the takeaway for us today is that if you'll pray it up, you'll line it up. If you'll pray it up, you'll line it up. The more you pray, the more your heart will line up with God's heart. The more time you can spend in prayer, the more time you can pray and talk to God and try to hear from God, the more your heart will start to line up with God's heart. So the more you can pray it up, the more you'll line it up. Now, I'm not trying to make you feel guilty here with this. This is not like me saying, hey, you should be waking up at 5 a.m. just to pray before anybody else gets up. You should be spending 30 minutes in prayer before you go to bed and don't dare fall asleep while you're trying to pray, right? We do that. I'm not trying to say that. What I am trying to say is that I know that the more you pray, the more your heart will line up with God's heart. So whatever that looks like for you, maybe prayer is not a part of your life at all. And that praying before meals would be a big step for you. So start there. Maybe you already do some of that stuff, but you just wake up and you start going throughout your day and sometimes you don't even think about God till noon. Maybe for you, you need to start praying as soon as you wake up in the morning. 30 seconds, 60 seconds, 
Maybe for you it's at bed for 60 seconds. Maybe you do all of that. Maybe God needs to challenge you to pray with other people or to pray for longer periods of time. Maybe you do need to spend 5 or 10 or 20 minutes in prayer. I don't know where you're at in life. But what I do know is that God's goal is that he would get your heart to be lined up with his heart so that you guys can be in step and be working in the same direction in life. And he can do that if he can get you to pray more. And the more you pray, the more you'll see your heart be lined up to his. And just imagine what that would look like in your life. Imagine what your life would look like if your heart was completely lined up with God's heart. If everything you did was exactly the way God would want it to be done. Think about how that would change your family and the relationships that you have with the members of your family. Imagine the difference that would make at work, the way you get along with coworkers or customers or bosses. Imagine the difference it would make in school and the way you view your teachers or your classmates. Imagine the difference it would make in our church if each one of us had a heart that was completely lined up with God's. Imagine the way it would change the way that our church works and the way that our church views other people. Imagine the difference it could make in our community if we were a church that was completely lined up with the heart of God. Imagine what God could do through us. God wants to line your heart up with his. And one of the best ways that he can do that is for you to pray more. Because the more you pray it up, the more you'll line it up. Today I want to close by praying for you. And it's a prayer that I wrote ahead of time. And it's modeled off the Lord's Prayer. I kind of tried to take the Lord's Prayer and make it make sense in my own brain and not use big words because it makes more and more sense to me. So maybe you're like me and this will resonate with you. I hope, I hope that all of us could be able to, prayer, to pray the Lord's Prayer or a prayer like this and mean it and have it to really be our heart's desire. So let me pray for you. Father, thank you for letting us talk directly to you without having to wait in line or ask someone else to talk to you on our behalf. We want your plan for our lives and for this world to happen here on earth. We want things to be the way that you want them to be. Please help us with all the little things in our life, things like traffic or finding a parking spot at Walmart, the, the upcoming test in class, the interview for that job, help us, help us find the TV remote, you know, those sorts of things. Please forgive us for all the times that we've sinned against you. Sometimes we didn't even know we were sinning. Other times we knew it, and we chose to go against you anyways. We're sorry. We don't just want your forgiveness, but we also want to repent from those habits. We want to change course completely. We want to stop any habits that are sinful and start to have godly habits. We realize how great our sin is against you. So we're not going to hold any offense from someone else against them. If someone did us wrong, we forgive them. Because we have been forgiven so much. Now that we have repented, we don't want to even come close to sinning. God, please keep the devil far away from us. Don't let us fall for his tricks. That way we don't even come close to sinning against you. It's in your son's name that we pray. Amen.